1: And welcome back to Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. It is late Thursday, July 27th, and I know many of you are expecting, as Steve Dace calls me, the prophet of lamentations, uh, to lament. But you know, there's nothing much to lament anymore. Uh, Our audience is well aware of what the Republicans have been doing to us the last number of months, frankly, the last six years. A lot of this is anticlimactic. We all knew all along they had no intention of repealing Obamacare. Now some of our colleagues are discovering that. And uh, it's, it's kind of cute watching people. Oh, man, they don't want to repeal Obamacare. Um, but the, the big question is, what can we do? As you guys know, you've been following my articles all week, following me on Twitter. I've been pretty active, more so than usual. Um, working with the few conservatives in Congress some state legislatures on what we can do. On focusing on health care, I promised you this week we'd focus on health care. The one element not discussed in this entire debate, ironically, um, instead of just Medicaid and the insurance cartel, as if there's no bigger world. And I'm going to link to in the show notes our article on thinking, on the fact that the Republicans cannot think. They don't have an imagination beyond the existing paradigm. And, and that's what we're exploring. That's what I've committed to you to work on, just like I committed to working on judicial reform. This has become a passion of mine, as I said on our first episode this week with Dr. Wakasey, um, that we're go- going to use all the talents in this country to discover solutions and, uh, you know, healthcare at the end of the day, it's everything. It's our liberty. It's our freedom. It's our health. It's our lives. It's the linchpin to economic growth. It's what's holding us back, both the private budget of the family, the the public budget. Um, this is single handedly. I mean, Medicaid alone almost costs as much as the military. Now, you could imagine, you know, all of the programs uh, come 10, 15 years from now. How do we solve this? What do we do about it? And one one of the lines I've been using until now um, is, where is the Uber? Where is the Uber, the Amazon, the Southwest Airlines of healthcare? Why is healthcare the one thing that has been left behind in the technological revolution, the internet revolution? Why does it work like a dumpster fire? And obviously, the answer is because it doesn't work like a market. And it doesn't work like a market because of the government insurance cartel, um, third-party, fourth-party payer. So I figured, what better person to bring on at this time to give us some hope, an oasis of freedom and innovation amidst the tyranny and convoluted nature of healthcare, even with the terrible regulatory system, the market distortions we have. Um, you know, Doctor Keith Keith Smith. Uh, we've talked about him. I know many of you know about the Oklahoma Surgery Center. I've only, I only discovered it uh, really last year. Um, or earlier this year, reading that Time Magazine profile on just the amazing innovation, not taking cartel insurance, not taking government, posting prices online, flat rates, lots of innovation and care. I want to discuss not just the, um, the way to reduce costs, but to actually provide better quality delivery of health care itself. Um, with no further ado, I'm honored to bring on board here, welcoming to the Conservative Conscience, Dr. Keith Smith, he's a lifelong anesthesiologist. He co-founded the Oklahoma Surgery Center in Oklahoma City, I believe, in 1997. He's the medical director now. And, uh, you know, he, he evidently has time to be talking to someone like me, even though he's a doctor, because uh, he's not dealing with the insurance cartel. Hey, Dr. Smith, how are you? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, really, we're really excited. Like, like I said, I mean, uh, people are asking me what could be, what could we do, what could we do, and I figured the best way is to look at the experiences out there right now. Um, if you could just give a little bit of a background on what you've done in the Oklahoma Surgery Center um, to bring down prices and and uh, improve quality delivery by cutting out the middleman.
0: Yeah, that, that's basically what we've done. We've disintermediated the entire uh, process partially by making sure that our facility, uh, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, is owned and controlled by the physicians who work here. And by virtue of that move alone, we have eliminated from the equation the most um, greedy, blood-sucking profit seeker in healthcare, and that would be the the hospital system. So when when we put our prices online our you know our prices represent prices that pay the surgeon anesthesiologist the people actually doing the work it pays them very well but the facility and institutional part of our price is very close to a, a very small marginal profit so by by really eliminating the institutional price gouging we were able to put prices online over nine years ago now that are less than a 10th typically of what a so-called not-for-profit hospital that would charge a patient for the very same procedure.
1: So, you know, I'm going to link this in the show notes for our audience, your website, the surgery center um, website with uh, the just easy to read pricing, um, just all sorts of bone surgery, ankle surgery, um, Knee replacements, uh, hip, uh, shoulder. And, and again, I want to get to quality a little bit later, but just to at least start off with the costs, if you could give an example of something that, you know, one of these surgeries that you go into a regular hospital um, and either your insurance paying or if you'd have to pay out of pocket, what the charge would be relative to what you're charging.
0: Well, people can go to our website and take any number of charges. For instance, uh, removal of your gallbladder on our website is $5,865, an amount which pays the surgeon, anesthesiologist, the facility, pathologist. There are no bills that trickle in. And any, pr- any procedure price, like the ones I have list, li- uh, listed online, could be multiplied by six or 10 in order to arrive at the typical charge at one of these so-called not-for-profit hospitals, our prices are actually half of what Medicare pays the hospital down the street. And our prices, we found out uh, during a documentary done by the folks at the Reason Foundation, our prices are less than what Medicaid pays the hospitals <laughs> down the street. So when you whenever you hear these price gouging hospitals talk about being bankrupted because of the medicaid fee schedule keep in mind what we have listed online is actually less than prices that you know supposedly are bankrupting these hospitals
1: it's the arsonist dressing up as the firefighter as we see in so many areas of public policy <laughs> but but certainly in i mean healthcare it's so evident they set the fire they perpetuate a need i mean they distort the market work together to price fix with the cartel, both the government, the insurance slash hospital cartel. And there's no consumer, there's no shopping. And, uh, you know, it goes up and up and up. And therefore, the budget has to go up and up and up, which, you know, it's, it's just, it's a endless cycle of uh, what we call here, uh, venture socialism, where it's, it's, you know, the government getting involved in healthcare, paying for it often, but it's, it's the private sector or the pseudo private sector benefiting off of it. And we all, you know, people often say that Walmart has done more for the poor than any government program. And I think what you're saying now is you're demonstrating that you're even able to charge less than Medicaid. Is that because when I, if I were to walk into your surgery center, I wouldn't see a whole, uh, uh, cubicle of, of women shouting with insurance companies all day long?
0: No, no, there's nothing like that here. And, and you know, the the good news, there there is a lot to just gnash your teeth about. The really good news is that the free market movement in healthcare is marching across this country at at a rate that even frankly alarms me, and I think I've got my finger on its pulse about as closely and accurately as anyone, and it's very creepy to the price gougers and the black hats in healthcare to watch this free market movement uh, balloon. It's the direct primary care movement. It's facilities like ours and those that have copied us. There are even institutions like UCLA um, who's so perfectly copied by website that my web designers encouraged me to sue them. Huh. So the, the pressure is really on, and it's on because the power of the market. You know, Rothbard talked about the power and the beauty of the market. And there are patients that are printing out my pricing and taking it to their local hospital and saying, step up and match this or I'm flying to Oklahoma City. We're seeing patients from all over the country, all 50 states except Hawaii. We still see Canadians. People are traveling in here from all over the place to, to get the benefit of this pricing, but just as many are using that pricing to leverage a deal in their market. So there is a market that is, that is really uh, growing in this country, and of course it's all happening in spite of everything in Washington.
1: No, and and that's I want to get that a little bit later. That you know this is with the regulatory system. This is with the subsidy structure, the market distortion. Certainly, if everyone was doing this, if you know all consumers were, um, you know, DPC direct direct primary care and um, had you know insurance, which was insurance, not direct payment. Or um, a question that I was wondering because we're looking into this now, we're just changing over um, another kind of oasis on the insurance side is health sharing ministries. Right now, only you know. There's only kind of the religious exemption for this, where a you're unregulated by Obamacare, the you know all the insurance regs. You don't get the individual mandate penalty, but then also there's, I mean, there's no restrictions. It's cross state lines. It's it's everything. And um, you know, because a lot of people say, you know, all right, well this is awesome. Okay, you know, ten thousand dollars for some hip work or knee surgery that might cost me up to hundred thousand dollars. In a hospital, but by golly, that's still a lot of money. So I'm I'm curious if you would have, let's say, you know, someone on a health sharing ministry that above a certain amount, you know, they would share the payment. So could someone come in there and just, you know, get treatment and then get paid by? I guess they'd be reimbursed by the health sharing ministry.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right, and we are the favorite destination for all of the cost sharing ministries. <laughs> I I personally belong to one. And yes, that's exactly what happens. And the, of course, the cost-sharing ministries are are thrilled to spend ten thousand instead of a hundred thousand for a procedure. Anybody that belongs to one of these cost-sharing ministries is exempt from the, you know, don't I didn't buy insurance Obamacare penalty. So sure. that that's a beautiful way. Uh, it's a beautiful way to make sure that you're covered. And and it. You know it provides for that safety net of uncertainty which is the true purpose of insurance
1: it, 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 exactly and and what's better about it is that it works directly with your model in that um you know a, a lot of uh, conservatives and libertarians have focused on you know the need to make insurance work like well you know insurance like car and homeowners and they focus a lot on the you know catastrophic versus just you know primary payment plan um, dichotomy. But there's really another important distinction that's probably even more important is that the insurance companies price fix. It's not just that, oh, you know, they, they cover everything or, you know, maybe we could just get catastrophic plans, but even the so called catastrophic plans, anything above that amount, like a knee surgery, a hip surgery, they're going to price fix. They're going to, there's no market. This way, with, um, you know, your model on the provider side, on, you know, direct primary care and then pooling together health sharing to to you know not have the third party distort the market uh and come in and 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 come and shake you down and and your office has to deal with you, you have the administrative costs which are tremendous um there's nothing i mean you just pay for it and you get reimbursed by your sharing association and and um you know because because this is a big thing a lot of people say well you know what do you do with the 10 20 30 forty charges daniel i mean you can't pay you know, a lot most people can't afford to pay that out, out of pocket, and and that's exactly the point. This is a way of sharing it without distorting a ten thousand cost to to a hundred thousand dollar cost. Um, you know, and, and uh, obviously the way we stand now, this is with Obamacare, with insurance cartel getting the tax system. You know, the employer tax exclusion, uh, the 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 mandate, all the stuff that's benefiting them. Imagine if the playing field were level, if, uh, you know, obviously we want to get rid of all the tax pork, but, but let's say that's unfeasible politically and you would just equal it to uh, allow for cost-sharing ministries to get the same thing from employers. You know, you could write that off. I mean, these places that have 40,000, 50,000 enrollment pools, they could have – Heck, United Health has 111 million people in it. Um, so it, it just I mean I mean, this is truly amazing. What I want to move on to is a lot of people, um, you know, the first question I get asked by the cartel um in Washington, Daniel, what's your plan for the chronically ill and the pre-existing condition? Do you get, you know, in addition to people that have um, you know, kind of one-time knee surgeries, do you get people that are kind of habitually sick and need chronic maintenance in in your facility as well?
0: Well, we don't because we operate an outpatient surgery center, and our kind of network, our brotherhood of compatriots, offer really procedural uh, sort of care. The answer to that question is the is the direct primary care movement, where you know patients can buy access to unlimited access to a primary care doctor for less than their cell phone bill a month. And it works just like a gym membership where somebody pays $70 or $80 a month to a primary care doctor. And they have unlimited access to that physician. That is significantly less than what Medicaid uh, charges taxpayers to provide what I would argue is a grossly inferior experience. So for the chronically ill, for disease management, for long-term care, the perfect solution is seventy or eighty dollars a month, and then you have direct access to a primary care physician who's working for you, and not trying to satisfy the edicts of some bureaucrat who's telling them how and why and when to ration care to you.
1: No, I, I absolutely. I mean that that's the thing, and I'm working on writing a plan right now. If you would just give people the money cut out the third party payment lining the pockets of the hospitals and the insurance cartel which you know people think oh the beautiful government well it's the you know 77% of medicaid is managed by the <laughs> the so called private public utility uh, style insurance companies just cut out the middleman open up an hsa for them a escrow account and give them that money and and like you said you wouldn't have the stigma you'd have better care you can go where you want um, but but i think is the point you're trying to make is that you know health not every aspect of healthcare is going to be 5 bucks but there's a difference between taking a 10 dollar cost and making it a 100 100 making it a 1000 1000 10000 10000 100000 100000 a million and that you, you know it's a lot easier everyone's talking about Medicaid reform but you can't reform Medicaid or insurance reform, which is really the discussion now, until you bring down the costs of health care itself. And then, so if you're going to have socialism, at least, you know, subsidize um, an MRI at a few hundred dollars rather than a few thousand dollars. Is that is that kind of the point you're getting at?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're always going to be poor amongst us, and we are called. You know to take care of our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and when they're in need our view as really unapologetic advocates of the free market is is to to the best that we can get government out of the way so that innovation can be legalized and the prices as you've pointed out will fall to such an extent that managing the always-with-us problem of those who are too poor to afford, to, to afford even affordable care, managing that problem becomes very manageable. And then it becomes a local problem, not one too, you know that we look to Washington, D.C. for some overarching solution that invariably lines the pockets of the industry syndicate rather than actually helping people.
1: You know, one one of the things a lot of people have been pushing back when I talk about price transparency. Well, Daniel, you need the codes and and it's too it's too convoluted and there's there's you know ten thousand different contingencies. How do you post it? Well, it doesn't seem like you've had that problem.
0: No? no, we no we we basically look at every procedure on our website the same way a general contractor would on a construction site. It's time and materials and the surgeons there are 106 surgeons who work here now we have all we've all wrapped our minds around the idea of you know the time and materials approach to providing medical services and so a surgeon had my facility has a pretty good handle on what he believes his time is worth and ultimately that's that's how we price these procedures so you could have 15 codes easily on some shoulder operation, and not one of those codes took more than 15 seconds to perform. And so it's just it's criminal, really dishonest to you know charge for every single one of those. It's silly. And so our prices look you know they look fairly low. I think to a lot of people that are still operating inside of the code box and they can't. Really think their way out of that, and it's a process because most physicians are brainwashed and and really haven't any time in their career thought outside of the code box. But mm. it, it's it really is sort of a time and materials approach.
1: You know, that's what I was going to ask you next. That's what I'm a little concerned about. We've been talking a lot from a public policy perspective, messaging this to uh you know the the congress critters to um you know voters obviously consumers and patients i want to get your perspective from the doctors you know i've noticed again and you know keep in mind i live in maryland you 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 live in texas there's more freedom there so maybe the mindset's different but it, I, we we just we just switched to health sharing ministry and we tried to call up our uh uh, you know, just the primary vendors that we use—a pediatrician for the kids, and uh, for, you know, for my wife—and and, and uh, you could just tell they—they just—it's almost like this is a dope ring, you know, a drug cartel, and they're—they get everyone addicted to the dope, and they're kind of just stuck on their system. They don't want to deal with self-pay rather than embracing it. What would be your message? How to sell this to a, a physician? Because at the end of the day, you know, they'll say well you know they get the cartel prices they get the government prices so they're making more than you
0: yeah and and you know the physicians by and large are not doing very well i i would argue physicians are not doing as well as they were even 10 years
1: ago oh wait wait dr smith you mean to tell me that they're not getting four thousand dollars for a colonoscopy uh, no, that is,
0: <laughs> that is the charge, and that is not, not what is collected, I guarantee you. Now, the hospitals are another matter. Uh, the institutions actually price gouge, and it works for them. The physicians, by and large, are not beneficiaries of the current syndicate cartel-like system. And most of what physicians do during the day, they hate. And it has absolutely nothing to do with taking care of patients. And it has everything to do with compliance and coding and documentation. And most physicians hate that part of their practice. The physicians that have moved to a more free market, a more uh, cash-based, simplified, disintermediated type of practice... All they do is take care of patients, that's it, and they don't have to worry about all of the other insanity that's been inflicted on them, all of which they can walk away from.
1: Yeah, and I've I've heard that from some uh, DPC Uh, providers that uh, they even make house calls old-fashioned and they they just (laughs) enjoy it they have relationships with their patients and you're just not shouting on the phone all day or or you know what you know what's funny it's like it seems like when you go to a doctor now they're when they're not glued to paperwork their eyes are glued to an ipad and they're not looking at you (laughs) Because they have yeah. to just constantly fill out all the you know, the HIPAA this, and obviously Obamacare had an extra layer, but um, what, what I want to move on to, what I really need your expertise, um, certainly my audience, very smart, very engaged, very liberty-minded, um, certainly understand this model in, in outpatient and doctors' offices. If you could explain just a little bit how the hospital cartel works. And what you think could be done about that? Because that seems to be the real—you um, know—we spend 3.2 trillion, you know, not, not you know, public and private total, 3.2 trillion a year on healthcare. The largest chunk by far is is hospitalization.
0: Yes, and and to start with, I'll say the really good news is that there are hospitals that are walking away from the syndicate cartel way of doing business. Uh, some of which I am working with. So, for all of the hospital administrators that would say this is impossible, you cannot uh, provide bundled pricing for uh, inpatient procedures or illnesses. That is that is simply not true. I am working with hospitals every day uh, that are doing that. The way the way that people need to think about the the scam of healthcare in the United States is to understand. This little story, I think, it, a hospital charges $100 for an aspirin knowing they're only going to collect $5. They then uh, claim that they lost $95, and they that helps them maintain the fiction of their not-for-profit status because even though they paid a penny for the aspirin and collected $5 since they charged $100, they will claim they lost 95 That $95 loss goes into a bucket that is shipped off to Washington, D.C., and that determines the extent of the kickback that hospital receives based on the so-called uncompensated care that they've provided. On the insurance side, there's something just as bad. The insurance company is happy to pay $5 for an aspirin that costs a penny. And they will go to, say, an employer group and say, you know, we rode in on our white horse and we discounted that aspirin for from a hundred to five dollars. We have saved you ninety-five dollars. And per the terms of our arrangement, we share with you in that savings. And that can that number can be as high as forty percent of the amount saved. Now, what the employer group may not know is that the original price for the aspirin was probably $50, but the insurance carrier went to the hospital and said, can you do a brother a favor and double that and make it 100, and that way our opportunity on this shared savings scam is maximized. So that that is in a circle, just thinking through the $100 aspirin, that's kind of how it works. These hospitals make a lot of money Uh, And and when I say the hospitals, I mean the big hospital systems, the rural hospitals are struggling somewhat because the big hospitals have lobbied for regulations that only the big boys can possibly comply with, and it's brought many rural hospitals to their knees and they have to then very likely succumb to an offer that they'd otherwise refuse from one of the big city goons. Wow. So the, the, the rural hospitals are struggling, I believe now, as I always have, the way to restore rural health care is to allow the physicians to own the hospitals. You would see physicians flee the big cities and go to rural areas for that opportunity, and everything would be turned around because the profit-seeking, kind of blood-sucking activity of these hospitals would vaporize, and the hospitals would then be run by the physicians who are working there.
1: Wow. Oh, my gosh. So much to digest there. Um, just, you know, again, we're talking to Dr. Keith Smith here of the Oklahoma Surgery Center, a uh, beacon of free market healthcare. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm just thinking, as we're talking now, there's a massive debate over Obamacare in Washington. And the irony is, again, everyone's talking about insurance, premiums. And of course, really, they're just talking about Medicaid all day. They're just, it's like, well, we founded this country for Medicaid. I mean, you would think that that's the that's just the end all. And the irony is, you just mentioned a provision in Obamacare. No one's talking about that that affects health care. Forget about insurance. The the prohibition on physician-owned hospitals. So l- l- let me just try to walk this back and get this straight. Playing both ends of the stick here with the hospitals. So they don't have to pay taxes because they're stewards of the public good um but then they get endless i mean the cash cow from medicare medicaid then you know so so any talk about you know caring for the indigent is gone now because medicaid is you know medicaid expansion completely took care of that they have record profit margins there's a recent political article it's really been circulated you know again the, like you said the big hospitals Then they, but because they're the public stewards, so they're kind of a quasi public utility, quasi GSE. That uh, they get to then um, use their uh, influence. And by the way, the American Hospital Association I think was number three for lobbying, number three for lobbyist expenditures in 2017. They use it to then create regulations to box out competition. So, so I guess you're saying. Can you clarify, are they regulations to um, box out competition, or regulations that affect them but those that don't have the economies of scale can't deal with them?
0: Well, it's both, um, and for anyone who doesn't believe that regulators sit down and write these regulations to benefit the very corporations they're regulating, I would encourage all of your. Of listeners to familiarize themselves with uh, the writings of Butler Schaefer, S H A F F E R. He wrote the most painstakingly researched book called In Restraint of Trade, that proves historically that that is exactly what happens when regulators sit down. And so for the for the person who says you know healthcare is out of control we need to get government more involved to regulate it <laughs> what will happen then is you'll see even fewer competitors in the marketplace and that would be the intention of writing these regulations would be to further monopolize what's already described by you and many others as a cartel
1: you know what i find interesting i mean you know we're we're liberty minded you know we don't want any of these regs but on the one hand, you have, you know, the medical industry, both healthcare, care, health insurance are highly, highly regulated, highly, highly subsidized. But then on the other hand, they, they're they lacking some of the basic regulations that every industry has, namely the price fixing, the cartel, the racketeering, um, antitrust. Dust. So it's kind of the worst mix where they have all the operating regs, um, but then – they could price fix, so it's it's the perfect agenda to drive up costs that you can't innovate. But on the other hand, they don't have to innovate because they don't have competition.
0: Well, exactly, and of course, the most powerful regulator uh, is the free market. You know, people say, you know, something is unregulated. Well, no, the market is a vicious regulator if you are a price fixer if you're dishonest if you breach contracts and you are in a truly competitive market you're done you're finished your career and reputation (laughs) are destroyed and that is what the market does the market is the harshest disciplinarian no regulator with a pen can approach the power of the what the market can do to a dishonest or unscrupulous business or businessman
1: i i can mess your business up in a second i mean the funny thing is you know again a, a lot of um you know you had this in the 80s and 90s when healthcare was debated so you know one of the many arguments against free market healthcare was always well the public safety you know both on on the drug side and on the provider side <laughs> you know when it comes to either education or you know so the, the certificates of need and the um You know, just the scope of practice or whether, again, it's a drug, a service. And I'm thinking whatever the veracity of that argument was back then with the power of the Internet now, I mean, reviews are everything. If you if you get a garbage review, if I go and give you I mean, you're done.
0: Right. That's right. And I would. You know, we we've been doing this with online pricing now for nine years, and meeting people from all over the place. And I have to tell you, the patients that have shopped online and comparison priced and researched their condition are extremely savvy about their condition and what is appropriate in terms of treatment. Uh, we we find that people know people know a lot, and, it, and it's not so out of reach for people to actually
1: understand understand their medical conditions. It's just amazing to me. Every poor, dumb slob in this country, I say that tongue-in-cheek, they know how to shop for everything. I mean, nowadays, like the Internet's the greatest equalizer. But somehow, when it comes to um, healthcare, the government and the cartel you know, let me tell you, you don't understand. You don't know. Uh, this is like, you need us. And it, it's the perfect kind of like, you know, global warming style scam uh, to engender a need for their thing, which, which is fine. Um, they could put out their arguments, but to use the boot of the government and obviously, you know, all the regs, the subsidies, the original sin, the tax exemption for the employer um, to box this out. It's just, it's just, just scandalous. I want to go back to hospitals for a minute. Um, what, what, Did you have any problems in Oklahoma opening up an outpatient surgery center, or because it was outpatient, you weren't subjected to some of these competition laws? Well, we actually
0: bought uh, an old burnout surgery center that had been mismanaged that already had an existing license, but in Oklahoma, we have, even though it would benefit me uh, to have a you know some certificate of need law that would you know block out competitors. I have fought that every single year that has come up. So we do not have a certificate of need law in Oklahoma that mm. would prevent someone from opening up a surgery center right across the street from me. And I would actually support their doing that if they wanted to. I would I would actually help them figure out a way to post their prices online. But there are um, there are not any. Uh, restrictions in Oklahoma compared to other states. I mean, in a lot of states it's locked up and the big hospitals have paid dearly to state legislators to make sure that no competitors would be allowed to enter the marketplace.
1: So you're saying in Oklahoma, again a freer state, you would be able to open a hospital? Yes, Asia? you could open a hospital. The problem you'd have
0: is a is the part of the Unaffordable Care Act, to which you referred the prohibition of physician ownership. So physicians can own and operate hospitals. If they open one now, though, they can never receive federal money. So that's how how the American Hospital Association shut down all of the innovation and the entrepreneurialism of physicians that wanted to own non-price gouging hospitals is they, as part of the their American Hospital Association's support of the Unaffordable Care Act, they secured a prohibition on any physician hospitals that were new from receiving federal money, and they further secured a prohibition on the expansion of any existing physician-owned <laughs> hospitals. So, you know, who does that benefit? You know, Bono it's just insane. It's just so transparent and obvious that this is pay to play that you know the legislators are bought and paid for and I I'm, I'm a firm believer they ought to they ought to have to wear the patches of their sponsors like NASCAR drivers
1: <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's that that's that's all where it is and it's funny cuz you're seeing this the same thing on the insurance side of things too when Um, a lot of people are saying, well, Daniel, you know, the insurance companies don't support what you want to do, you know, they like guaranteed issue and community rating, all the coverage regulations like, well, yeah, all the ones, the few that are remaining, um, because it created a monopoly there, they're, they stand atop of the food chain now. So, um, sure box out anyone else and you get the endless, uh, Um, the regs that keep everyone else out and the endless flow of subsidies uh, coming from the government both to the consumer to the to the state to to, you know the direct cost sharing subsidies um you mentioned something i just and i don't want to take too much of your time and i know we're running out of time here uh but to kind of conclude you talked about innovation and we've been talking a lot about costs and how this lowers costs it's 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 a direct market it would work like anything else What has always tugged at my heart is have we lost an entire generation of this potential Uber Amazon of healthcare? Um the talent, the innovation, the just the delivery, the way we think about existing paradigms of hospitalization and care. Could you talk a little bit about, you know, again I just read this in the Time magazine write-up on your facility, but some of the things that you do differently and, you know, putting people up in hotels to recover? Um, instead of you know what they'd be doing in a traditional hospital setting, can you talk a little bit about your uh, your uh, delivery innovations?
0: Well, I'm actually very optimistic um, about the future and the future of innovation, and I think uh, many of the young people that are coming out of medical school are very entrepreneurial minded. Uh, the the one big danger is that they will all become hospital employees. I mean, of course, the federal government subsidizes uh, the employment of physicians by hospitals, which is very damaging. But I I think that this current generation is so accustomed to, you know, looking at their um, mobile phone and being able to find any and everything that they need. And there are plenty of innovators and entrepreneurs out there that are plugged into this uh, medical service delivery free market. Uh, we've been called the Uber of surgery care in the United States. There are, there are companies that have uh, search engines that you can get on and enter your zip code and the procedure that you, you know are considering, and it'll list you know within whatever your acceptable search radius is, the places you can go with prices. The Free Market Medical Association, um, an outfit I'm co-founder of, is posting prices for all of its facility and physician members on the website free, you know, for anyone that wants to see that.
1: So, I, could, I, could you say the you know, Free Market Medical Association? Yeah,
0: the Free Market Medical Association is it's just dedicated to put buyers and sellers of healthcare together and minimize or eliminate the intermediaries that skim and scam and siphon off of the exchange. So there there are a lot of really exciting things that are going on. I I think the real tragedy right now, there are a lot of physicians who are in their mid-50s or their early 60s whose clinical acumen, when they retire because they're frustrated, that is a tragedy you know these are people that have got 25 30 years of experience seeing patients and there is no substitute for that and the intervention of the government in healthcare has driven a lot of people into retirement and just to the brink where they have just given up and that's wow. the true tragedy cuz there's no
1: substitute for experience it's not just, and that's the thing it's like let's talk about care we could talk about the cost and how to pay for it later. Don't destroy the care. Um, you know, we talk a lot about you know premiums rising and everything, and obviously, certainly the cost of healthcare not going down. But exactly what you're talking about. We had a physician we loved um, for for a pediatrician. I think he was in his early 60s. Like you're saying, same same dynamic. He clearly had another five years left on him, at least. Um, and after Obamacare, we lost him. We lost him for our, our three boys, and you know I, I, we just loved his old school way of doing things. Also, he wasn't a liberal, so you know he just wasn't stuck on some of the AMA garbage and asking stupid questions. he didn't he didn't play by the book, and you know, but he had that institutional knowledge that built up. And and he he quit. He sent everyone a letter yeah. and said, "I'm done." Well, keep in mind you brought something up just a second ago. The prices we have on our
0: website that we put online nine years ago are the same prices we put online nine years ago. Wow! I have changed our prices three times since we launched our website, and in all three instances have lowered them. And we've been hoping 20 years now, and the prices on our website are the very same prices we quoted 20 years ago, over the phone when we opened. So the whole idea that the cost of healthcare is spiraling is a myth. It's a lie, and it is. It's part of the propaganda machine of the poor mouthers who would like to take even more of our money in this in this scam filled industry.
1: No, I, I absolutely, and uh, you know that that's where it's at. You always need a myth to perpetuate. Um, in order to basically give the opportunity to provide your solution. I mean, it's the it's the arsonist being the firefighter. Um, very disturbing. But I'm glad to see that you have some optimism. I mean, what what would you say to people now? People like myself that are trying to work on the legislative side of things. What are some of the biggest things that you think need to be repealed? And you know, aside from Obamacare, just to to deal with this uh, hospital cartel and the and the unlevel playing field that we have today? Well, the
0: first thing I would encourage people to do is not look to Washington, D.C. for any solutions because (laughs) they're the source of all the problems. And every crony that you see robbing a family, every big hospital or insurance carrier you see robbing a family, people need to remember that Uncle Sam is driving the getaway car. They are (laughs) in this together. So legislatively, what I always encourage legislators to do is to just stay out of the way. Just not do anything. Don't pass any laws that don't repeal prior laws, whether it's HIPAA or Obamacare or HITECH or MACRA. I mean, just keep on going. Every intervention of government, every law interferes with personal preferences of normally cooperating individuals. All of these rules and regulations interfere with a normally functioning market. And I'm only truly afraid when someone affiliated with government tells me that they would like to assist me in this effort, because I know it is about to just go straight into the sewer.
1: oh my gosh wow well anyway th- thanks so much for joining us i mean this has been really engaging would you Would you mind coming back at a later date no it's let me know i appreciate being on the show yeah there's just so much more to talk about Um, but i'm glad our audience got to hear just a little bit of hope uh thanks for joining us really appreciate your time and there you have it folks that was dr keith smith of the oklahoma surgery center um, who's to say it can't be can't be done? It absolutely can be done. We absolutely can have free markets in healthcare. It's no different than anything else. It's an, it's a complete scam, as we spoke about last time as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed this show. Um, send me your comments and and you know what you want in the future in terms of guests and some of the questions you want answered. Let's make this happen. Let's create a brush fire for true free market healthcare, true liberty. Make sure you get your CR TV subscription with promo code Horowitz and also join our sponsor, prepare with CR.com. 140 meals for just 99 bucks from our, our buddies at Patriot Patriot Supply in case government does to food what they've done to healthcare. Until next time, God bless, this has been another episode of the Conservative Conscience.